Hi, welcome to the Refuge House broadcast. We are so glad that you decided to join us today. Here at the Refuge House, we help people discover their God-given uniqueness through the teaching of God's word so that they can be empowered to make a difference and impact the world for Christ. So here's what you need to do. We need you to grab your Bible, your notebook, your pens, and then get ready for a powerful message and see what God is going to do. I believe there are people in your life that probably need this message. So go ahead and share this to them and invite them to be a part of what God is doing today. Thank you and enjoy this week's message. Sometimes they will not pay. And the people out of frustration will go to look for their money. And some of them, because they are old and they have medical conditions, they'll die. And some of the things, some of them, what they're fighting for is just 50,000 a month, 60,000 a month. But because it's in volume, one greedy idiot will do that. Why, why are all this happening? Because of the seed of rebellion and disobedience. There is something in our mind that likes our way, and we must be aware of that. And thank God for the word of God. Somebody say amen. amen. Let me say this. Doing the will of God as a born-again Christian is not automatic. Doing God's will is what? It's not automatic. If it were, Paul would not have said in Romans 12 too. He said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. He didn't stop there. So that you may prove or discern or test what is the good what is the acceptable and what is the perfect will of God? If obeying the will of God was automatic, if obeying the will of God did not require resistance, then the moment we got born again, everything Christ did for us would be working in our life instantly. They are legally ours, but vitally or experientially they don't work, except your faith is engaged. To believe God is not just an expression of your confidence in God. It is also a submission of your will to his will. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let me repeat what I just said. To believe God, it's not just an expression of your confidence in God or your trust in God. To believe God is to submit your will to him. When you say you believe God, you, you put an end to your opinion. You put an end to your ways. You put an end to your thought and you embrace what God says. That's what it means to believe God. When I say I believe God, what it simply means, I may have toyed all night, but nevertheless, at his word alone, I will do what I need to do. Say amen. Yeah. You can't say you believe God. That's why it's called unbelief or doubt. You can't believe God and do your thing. If you are doing your thing, you don't believe God. Believing God is so powerful. It's an ability of the human spirit. No situation can change that. So we are responsible for what's going on in our life because of what we believe. And what we believe comes from what we have heard that has framed the way we think. So, in, in dealing with the subject, remember we've been dealing with this entire series on being established in the foundations of the faith. And for months, we talked about the operations of the God kind of faith. And, and after looking at all the different principles of God's word that, you know, that has to do with how our faith should operate, we began to talk about the three privileges of grace that we have that enables us to tap into the abundance of grace that has been made available to us in Christ. The grace of God speaks of the divine provision that Christ has given to you and I through his birth, life, death, resurrection, and ascension to glory. Now, we said the three basic ways. One, you work. 
or you ask, rather, one you ask. Secondly, you work. And the third, what do you do? You give. These are the three privileges that has been given to us to access. And under giving, we began to talk about how Satan fights the concept of giving. One of the ways we release the nature of God that we possess is to give. We don't just give because people want. We give because that's who we are. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. So it's in the nature of God to give. We give because it's in our nature to give. God is a giver. It's a cheerful giver. And he said in this word, I love a cheerful giver. And Satan has used the opportunity of the transgression to sow a seed of stinginess in the minds of men. Well, you, everyone looking at me, there's a stinginess that has not been renewed in your mind. They are stingy. Stinginess is one of the offspring of selfishness. But stingy. There's this tendency to, you know, to do your thing, your way. So you have to fight it. And how do we fight it? Renewing of our minds. Say amen. Stinginess is evil. Say that when we say stinginess is evil. Amen. Say it one more time. Say stinginess is evil. Amen. To be stingy is evil. The, 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 let me tell you where stinginess will fight you. Are you ready for this? He'll fight you in seasons of famine. Famine is a season of lack. I've told you what famine is. Lack of availability and accessibility to what? Required resources. So we say famine is a season of lack of availability and accessibility of resources. It's famine. It's called that. And famine is a man-made thing. Famine is when one person wants to eat what belongs to everybody. Hello? I hope you know when they say a money is missing. The money doesn't just dress up, wear a skirt and blouse or coat, carries his school suitcase and walk out of the bank. I hope you know there's nothing like that. Then let me also ask you too. I hope you know money does not disappear by mistake. Did you remember the woman they interviewed in one of the parasites? Don't call the name of her. She said, one big snake. You didn't remember? I'm, I'm believe. Say, big snake. Very big snake. Swallowed the money. And everybody watched the snake going. And carried billions and disappeared. That, that's what this rebellion can do in our mind. <laughs> hey. Maybe, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, it's my opinion. Maybe all the people involved, since she was the one that was the final person assigned, all the people involved, like, oh, Madam, if you talk, we're finished. So you go, go there, go talk like oh, Chris. Because once you are mad, even if you go to court, they'll plead insanity. Is that not so? Uh -huh. and, and in the law, when you, when you say you are crazy, the best punishment they can give you is to send you to a mental home. Is that not so? Yeah. That's how crafty, devious, and wicked people are. When you go through, when, when you look at your account and you see 5,000, and what you want to do is 200,000, that's when you know how generous or stingy you are. Did you understand what I'm saying? Hello, let me revise that. When you look at your account and you see 4,000 and you have an expenses of 200,000, that's how you know how stingy you are. Because when an opportunity for that 4,000 you have, how are you going to use it? You know it's not enough, but God is interested in not what you don't have, 
God is interested in how do you spend what you have? Hello? Are you still with me? Because in the system of God, there is a season that will come for famine. You will go through that. There will be a season for abundance. It will happen. And how you fare during the seasons of famine is a function of how you behave. What are the principles that guide your behavior when you go through famine? That 4,000, I'm using an hypothetical situation. That 4,000 that you have that is remaining in your account, will you give offering? Hello? Will you be a blessing to someone, even if it's 100 naira? Because that's, it's the same thing Jesus said. He that is faithful in little will be what? Will be faithful over much. Have you not noticed that when, when we don't have enough, the tendency to give excuses is very high. And, and when, when I talk about giving excuses, I'm talking about giving excuses to be a blessing. To impact somebody. You can just say, you know, I don't get now. Get as you be. And the Holy Spirit may just be telling you, be a blessing to this person. Do something. How do I know? God, it's not what you have. Let me prove it to you from the Bible. Just two cases so you know what I mean. How many of you remember Elijah? When he met the widow at Zarephath. You remember the story? First Kings 17. Alright? I'm not going to start the series short. But I need to do this foundation. The, the, he met this woman. God spoke to him after preserving him in the brook called Kerit. And the water had dried up because he had spoken a word that would create famine. Because the heavens were shut. Rain were not for So the rivers dried. And God said, go to Zarephath, I have commanded a widow. God was very specific. A widow woman to take care of you. And, and, and when he saw the widow woman, he knew by the, because he was a prophet, he knew by the spirit, this was the woman that God said should take care of me. But guess what? The woman said, I have only a meal, a handful of meal and a small cruise of oil. Do you know what that means? It's like having, do you know what a handful is? Hand. Then, maybe like olive-sized bottle of oil. No olive-sized bottle. Olive oil bottle. Good. That's what she had. And, and she said, I'm gathering two sticks to make for me and my son. Then, what did she say next? Then we die. So, it was very clear that what she had was not enough to take care of her. How much more a hungry man of God that just shows up on the scene. But that's the way God works. God said, he said to the woman, woman, please can you get me water? The woman said, I have enough water. Even if there's no food, I can drink the water till we die. I'll get water for you. She brought water. Then, she's, then, then the prophet said, can you get me food to eat? Ah, he said, man of God, no vessel. What I have is just for me and my son. I have just have 4K in my account. And the expenses of my head is 200,000. And the prophet spoke to her. He said, hey, many of you forget this part of the story. That the miracle did not happen because Elijah said it. Are you hearing me? Did you hear what I said? The miracle doesn't happen because the word of God says it. If it was like that, then we don't need to do anything. The miracle happened because she believed. Did you hear what I said? It took faith. To share from what is, which grammar will I use? Terribly not enough. It took faith. Because the prophet spoke to her. He said, as long as the Lord God liveth, 
What you have will not fail. The word had been spoken. The provision was in the word, not in the woman. What God needed was for her to believe. And when she believed, I believe was the point of contact that will release supernatural multiplication and sustain us on everything that she has. At your worst moment of lack, stinginess will want to keep you there. But if you understand the principles of God's generosity, every, 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 every act of obedience in your season of famine will link you up with where God is about to set you. Because it's not about what you have. It's always about believing God in season and out of what? Season. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? It's about what? Believing God in season and what? Out of season. When God sees your heart and knows that you're not going to give out of grudge, you're not going to give out of necessity, but you want to give because you love him and you want to honor him. All he needs from you is your faith so he can supply seeds to you and give you bread for your food. Say amen. amen. Say my heavenly father gives seeds and gives bread to me. Say that. Say my heavenly father gives seed. And it gives bread. Bible says it gives bread to the sower and I mean a seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Second one, then we're going to our series was Elisha. Elisha was the prodigy of Elijah. One of his prophets who just passed on, the wife came to meet him and said, Sir, your son in the Lord was a heavy debtor. He borrowed a lot of money. Now that he's dead, the creditors has come. And I don't have money to pay. The prophet could have said, hey, yeah, oh, oh, Jehovah God, hey, wait, 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 supernatural, heaven, angel, bring one, no, God doesn't work like that. God will always walk with faith. Everybody say faith. For without faith is what? Is impossible to please God. I've always told you this. It doesn't belong with what you have. It belongs with what you believe. Because what you believe comes from what you know. You know, the prophet said to him, what do you have in your house. To her, it was not enough. So it should not even be a consideration in a season of lack. But God wasn't interested in that. Because even in lack, God wants you to trust him. Write it down. We're going to see that in the scripture already. Say with me, say, even in lack, God wants me to what? To trust him. Because whether it's plenty or not, God does not want your confidence to be in the money in the substance. Sometimes the way you really tell how people truly trust God is when they have plenty. You will be shocked that you think when people have plenty, they will give. They will not give up. Because the thing that worries them is inside their heart. Hallelujah. God wants you to know, trust me in all your ways. Acknowledge me in all your ways. Whether you have or you don't have, let, it, let me see there's always faith in your heart. Let me see there's always faith in you. You're, you're always willing to believe my word. You're always willing to act on my word. No matter what you have, you're always willing to believe me, to stand upon the word. When God sees that, brothers and sisters, the abundance of God will open for you. Somebody shout amen. amen. I didn't say talk. I said shout amen. amen. What I said was a point of revelation. Whenever you are willing to believe God, whether it's plenty or lack, I guarantee you, God's abundance will open for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Shout a big amen. amen. Shout a big amen. amen. 
Now, I want you to shout a, a, a stinginess or lack disturbing amen. Shout a big amen. 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 Glory. Oh, some of you don't know how God works. Sometimes we tell you, go to the middle of the road and shout. You say, eh? You heard me say, eh? God, why? Because I said so. Say why? I should, I, I should just go and say, go and shout. For God, it doesn't make sense. That's why I said you should go. You want to talk for sense? How do you explain to Abraham, leave your father's house and go to a land that I will tell you of? How do you obey that kind of instruction? Leave your father's house. That makes sense. To a place I will tell you of. So if you leave your father's house and there are four roads, where do you go? Which one do you enter? That means God is teaching you how to trust him. Am I making any sense? God is doing what? He's teaching you how to trust him. Because we can easily give excuse when we don't have anything. When the situations are not right. We can just come to God and say, you know what? Father, I don't have enough. Hope. No, God doesn't want that. Say amen. So, get into the word. We've, we said, how do we handle famine? There are four principles we've looked at. What is the first one? What is the first one? What is the first one? Very good. For those of you that at least have gone through your notes, you get that. Because if you don't take the word of God seriously, it won't, it won't work for you. You must believe that famine does not change God's love for you. Is that not true? Yeah. Very important. The love of God is the foundation of everything. The moment a believer begins to doubt that God loves him because of what he's going through, Satan has lied to you. Your faith will not function because fear will paralyze your faith. Did you hear what I said? Are you hearing what I'm saying? The moment you begin to doubt because you're going through hard time and you feel that because the reason you're going through hard time is because God is not happy with you and God's love probably has changed because if God still loves you, why are you, why are you going through tough times? Once you buy into that lie, then your faith can function because faith works by love. And that love is always maintaining the consciousness and the confession that God loves me no matter what. Say amen. Number two, what is the number two one? Stay faithful in doing the word. That's what I just spoke about. It doesn't matter the situation. If I have only 4,000, I will still give offerings. Say amen. amen. I will still give. Because giving is a lifestyle. He that observeth the wind will not sow. I may not give as much as I used to give, but God knows my heart that as long as there is something in my hand, I will do what? I'll give. Not because it's, it's, you know, it's, 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 uh, things are hard. You know, it's, it gets us to be for a while. So, so as you get as you be, you get as you be. No, no. It, it's not about what you have. It's what, are you consistent with the practice of the principles that you believe? Even in the small thing in your hand, do you, do you still practice what you believe? That's how you train for abundance. Did you hear what I said? That's how you do what? You train for abundance. When you are stingy, you are doing serious damage to your access to abundance. It limits your your access to experiences. So please listen to me carefully. When you are stingy, you limit your access and experience to the abundance of God. That 100 naira credit you buy for someone, it's, it speaks in the eyes of God. That willingness to be generous in spite, you know you don't have enough, but you can buy water for somebody. You can do something. You can give. You don't, you don't compromise your giving to God and you don't compromise your giving to men. 
It could be food. It could be something. Just something. It's a lifestyle. There's no vacation. Write this down. There's no vacation in giving. There's not. No, because giving is an act of faith. It's not about the money. It's about the heart and the principle. People will tell you they don't have. I guarantee you it's not about what they have. Because I've just given you two cases of people who did not really have. In fact, what they had to them was considered. Yet God demanded obedience in what was ridiculously small and insignificant. So it's not about what you have. It's about the principle. It's about the principle. Are you committed to the principle? Don't be stingy. A stingy church cannot grow. A stingy believer cannot grow. It's not about the money. It's about the principle. You must hate stinginess because it's, it's an offshoot of selfishness. Hate it. Number three, what is the third one? Watch out for what? For the leading of the kingdom. Men and women are principles, practitioner. Watch out for the leading of the Holy Spirit. As you do what the word of God says, the spirit of God will guide and will lead you. They'll put thoughts in your mind. They'll speak to you. Sometimes we can use situations to blame our reason for not the word of God. You know, and Father, I'm hungry. I don't have. And you will not use that as a justification. When I was working before God told me to resign, we'll close by five in the office. But I still have to be in church because that was when church started. I could easily use my job as an excuse. But God was, you see, God will watch you in very unfavorable situation to see whether you will still practice what you believe. Or, because, write this down, God doesn't want you to serve him out of convenience, but out of commitment. What did I say? God does not want you to serve him out of what? Convenience, but out of commitment. Convenience means when the situations are okay. When you feel right. When everything is okay. Then you do what he says. Because I don't want that. Don't give me a service of convenience. I want a service of commitment. Even when it doesn't go the way your flesh wants. You still do it because of your love for me. And you realize how much I love you. One of the reasons believers are the way they are today. And they don't grow as they should. Is because they are trying to serve God out of convenience. So when the convenience factor is not there, they can easily tell God, you see, God, if you know, if I had had this now, I would have served you. You know me now, God, say you know me. Look who is talking to God. Say, God, you know me. Say you know me. You know the way I be. You know what I don't do before. If there's anybody you cannot lie to, it's God. Is that not true? So as you go through seasons, watch out for the leading of the Spirit. Leading will come. I said something that during famine, there will be tempting options. Some people say, I don't like Nigeria anymore. Just like in the Bible. When there were famines, people relocated. And most of their relocation was done because of hardship, hard times. Because famine will come with hardship. comes with tough times. But you need to be very careful that when you are making a move, don't make a move because it's tough. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. Because even in the season of famine, God still blesses. Say amen. Uh, did, did you hear what I said? Yeah, God still blesses. Because it's not about the situation, it's about obedience. Number four, what did we say? We started it. What is, expect to be what? God, I said God's grace. Very good. Expect to be satisfied with what? God's grace. Everybody say that one more time. 
All right, let, let's press now. I say, I expect to be satisfied with God's grace. Say it again. One more time. In seasons of famine, expect to be what? Satisfied with God's grace. Say, I expect in seasons of famine to be satisfied with God's grace. Say a good amen. Now, I said this quickly, then we'll pull on, we'll go on there. We said, despite the greatness and abundance that has been given to us in Christ, every outcome of our lives in seasons of famine is, or whatever, whether famine, whatever kind of, every, the outcome of our life in any season is determined by what? Our expectation and not the season itself. There is power in your expectation. I posted a short video clip today on a little bit of expectation. If you've listened to it, it will give you a good reminder. I said what you expect in seasons of famine will determine how you fare. How you do. It's very easy to blame your incapacity, your tiredness, your lackness, your what is going on in the country, where crisis. The excuses are limitless. There is always excuse. And it's very easy to blame the excuse. One of the things that I learned very early was not to give excuse to do what I need to do. If there is a thing to be done, I make sure that there is no excuse on what to do. Because the moment you allow one excuse, you allow other excuses. So my question is, what needs to be done? I put it down. What do I need to get it done? And commit to it. That's called commitment. Otherwise, you will never do anything. You want to pray? And you want to tell me that there's not going to be an excuse for not praying? Ah, plenty. First of all, body tiredness. I know they wake early. I know they sleep early. And all those excuses you give are simply areas where you don't want, you are more convenience driven than commitment driven. All right? So it's important you get that. We also said responses are decided in the spirit realm through expectation. In other words, how the spirit realm, which is the source that determines what plays out in the natural realm, responds to you is a function of your expectation. Then we read Proverbs 23, 18. Everybody quickly go there. Proverbs 23, verse 18. The Bible says, surely, for surely, for surely. This is a statement of truth. For surely, the word surely means certainly. Jesus used this word a lot. Truly, truly, I say unto you. Or surely, surely, or verily, verily, I say same thing. He said, for surely or truly, there is an end. And thine expectation should not be cut off. For surely or truly, there is an end. And thine expectation shall not be cut off. The word end, it was said, is translated as future or conclusion. Is that not so? So when the Bible says surely there is an end, it means there is a conclusion. There is a future. There is a posterity. Actually, the root word is posterity. And posterity is translated in as either a future or conclusion. Right? And, and we said, then the scripture tells us what expectation is. Expectation literally means, like we said, a cord or an attachment. Figuratively, it means something you long for. Something you desire, you hope for. And we said our expectation decides 
and determines our posterity. Our posterity refers to our future or our conclusion. So surely there is an end. There is a conclusion. There is a future. And what determines that future or that conclusion is what? My expectation. So it is not what is going on that determines it. It is what do I expect. If what is going on is what I expect, then that is my conclusion. That is my future. That is my posterity. Did you hear what I just said? Hello. It's easy to blame what is going on. It's easy to blame what somebody said. But, but you need to understand that in God's design, it is not what somebody did. It is not what somebody said. It is not what is going on. It is what do you expect from what is going on or what he said. Because that's how you decide your outcome. Are you hearing me? Because God can take care of you in spite of what anybody says. How many of you know that? How many of you know that? I mean, how, how do you explain this scripture? When a man's way pleases the Lord, what does he do? He makes even his enemies to what? To be at peace with him. So what is the catch? It doesn't matter what your enemies have in mind. It doesn't matter what they want to do. It doesn't matter what they plot against you. As long as your way pleases God, God will ensure that whatever they have against you will work for you. Is that not true? It's as simple as that. An expectation is the trigger. You must be very careful that the threat of the enemy doesn't become your expectation because if it does, that will be your end. Surely there is an end, but your expectation will not be cut off. Say, my expectation will not be cut off. Say it like you believe it. Say it like you believe it. And we said this, I'm going to push it further. Are you ready for this? All right, push it further. Our expectations are expressions of our faith in God and his faithfulness through his word. That's a very powerful statement. It came from the Holy Ghost. Our expectations are expressions of faith in God and his faithfulness through his word. Oh, brothers and sisters, hear me and hear me very well. It's not about you, what's going on there. It's about what you expect. Your expectation is actually a demonstration of your faith in God and his faithfulness through the word. So in other words, hear me and hear me very well. God is saying, what do you expect? It doesn't matter what you're going through. I, I know what you're going through is not favorably, favorable. I know what you're going through, it's not okay. I know it's tough. I know it's unkind. I know everything is not working as it should. But, but in spite of all of that, God is saying to you, what do you expect? In the midst of the crisis and the chaos and the famine, what is informing and programming your expectation? Because the issue is what is cooling our expectation? When man started giving excuse in the Garden of Eden, Humanity keeps giving excuse till tomorrow. Excuse not to do what God says you should do. Just like it takes a thousand lies to sustain and defend one lie, figuratively speaking. What it means is that once you start lying, you continue to lie. Is that not true? Is it not true? Once you lie, you need more lie to continue the lie. But the problem with lies is that one lie is not related to another lie. The more you lie, the more you lie. Is that not so? You just keep lying. It doesn't stop. 
That's how excuses are. Once you start giving one excuse, one excuse will give birth to what? Several other excuses. So if you want to be an effective leader, productive leader, someone that God can depend upon, and as well as man, you must be someone who does not tolerate excuse. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Your expectation is your power of faith. God is saying, I don't care where you are. As long as your expectation is alive and is healthy, your end is certain. Because your end will be defined by what you expect. But one of the greatest evil you can do to yourself is to allow your situation to infect your expectation. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? To allow what? To allow your situation to do what? To infect your situation. Your expectation. When I came to Potakot years ago, these were tough for me. My father gave me only 500 naira when I left home. My mother had labored a lot during my school time, and I wasn't. I didn't have a job. Ministry had not even started. I was squatting with people. I stayed in a cousin's house who lied on me all throughout. Went to the family and told all kinds of lies. I didn't care. And the house, I the the, the room I stayed was a boys' quarter. Half of it was junk. The things they don't use again. The half of it was the space where I made a foam. I was sleeping. I think I was sleeping with you. You know when I collected that foam? <laughs> you know, one of the foam I was sleeping with. That was what I was using. I, you don't tell. <laughs> you know, what, that, that was what I was sleeping. But you know, it never bothered me once. Hey. Somebody say, Hey. It never bothered me once that I was living in a BQ. A BQ, half of it was junk. It was never in my mind. I never one day sat down and be, yeah, there were temptations when there was no provision because I wasn't eating. I only ate there once. And I refused to eat there because I know the kind of person she is. That you know there's some food you will eat. It's like swallowing bone. You stone. Okay, that's a new one. That's a very good one. This one is like bone. You can't vomit it. You cannot swallow it. They will use it and tell your story for the rest of their life. Now you see, it's part of my food that made him what he is or she is. So that one I was very careful. So I didn't want to eat there anymore. But, but you know the thing? My expectations were healthy. Even when I went through a tough time, I remember one morning I was just thinking, I said, Lord, there's so many things you told me and some are working, some are yet to walk, some doesn't make sense, some don't make, I was just conversing, and the Holy Spirit asked me a question, what are you, talk, what are you doing? I said, I'm thinking about my life, and then God asked me a question, is that your business? He says, it's not your business to think about your life, that's my business. Then he said something to me that changed me. He said, your life, it's like a piece, each part of your life is like a piece of a puzzle. He said, I alone knows the complete picture. He said, but you must be willing to trust me with every piece I give you. Knowing fully well that the complete picture is in a God, my heavenly father that loves me and is taking me to the future that he has designed for me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God doesn't deal with you because of how much. Many of us make the mistake that when we think somebody has billions, we think that person is more special to God because of how much he has in his account. Wrong. It's not what you have in your account that determines how God loves. Can you buy God's love? Can you? How much you have cannot be compared to a portion of one foot of the street of heaven that is made of gold. The kind of gold that you can't find here. 
So no matter what man has, he can't intimidate God. God is not interested in what you have. He's interested in your faith in him. For without faith, it's impossible to do what? To please God. And your expectation is an opportunity for you to express your faith in God. That it doesn't matter what I'm going through. I believe his word. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. I believe it. That's why we confess the word of God. That's why we declare God's word. That's why we speak the word of God. Because the word of God is the substance that gives future to our hope. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The word of God is what? It's the substance that gives future to what? To our hope. Hope is what we desire. But the word of God is what gives substance to that hope. That's why expectation is an expression of faith. Why? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Say amen. My, my expectation, and I thank God for some of the things he taught me because that's what has been guiding me even till now. All right? So our expectation are expressions of our faith in God and his faithfulness. If there is one thing you must never forget in your life and at every season of your life is that God is faithful. Did you hear what I said? Number one, God is good. Nothing can change his goodness. And number two, God is what? Is faithful. What does faithful mean? That means faithful is he who called you and faithful is he who will also do it. God is faithful. He never slacks on his faithfulness. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Some people count God as slack. God says, I'm not slack. I'm giving you opportunity to renew your mind, to repent. He said, because I am I'm long-suffering when it comes to that, but I stay faithful to my word. The moment you begin to doubt the faithfulness of God, your faith can function well. There are pillars that hold your faith. One of them is to know that God loves you. And when you believe God loves you, the foundation of God's love rests on these two things. God is good and God is faithful. Say with me, say God is good. Say that, say God is good. Say it again, say my God is good. Say my God is faithful. Say my God is good. My God is faithful. Why? Because he loves me. This same good God and faithful God is the one that loves me. That's why I will never, I, I, I don't care. People may mistreat you. People may talk down on you. People may look at you as if you're nothing. Don't allow how people treat you to ever pollute your revelation of God. Don't, don't downgrade God to people. That you now start seeing God the way people treat you. People will mistreat you. People will talk down on you. They'll look at you as if you're not, you know, you're nothing, you're rubbish. But don't ever allow that to affect the way God sees you and how God appreciates you. Say with me, say God loves me. Say that boldly, say God loves me. Say God loves me. So my expectations are what? Expressions of my faith in God and his faithfulness through his word. The reason God gave us his word, listen to this, write this down. The reason why God gave us his word is to give us expressions for faith. Do you understand that? Did you hear what I said? The reason God gave us his word is to do what? To give us expressions for faith. What is expression? Opportunity to demonstrate our faith in him. 
His word is a documentation of his character and his doings towards men. They are meant to inspire you so that you can release your faith in a God who is faithful and, pleases with, and is pleased with faith. So the word of God is given to you and I as an opportunity to express our faith. So the more you know God's word, the more you are energized to believe him. Say amen. Say to me, say the more I know the word, the more I'm energized to believe him. Do you understand what I mean? The more you know God's word, because the word of God will feed your faith. That's why as you grow in the knowledge of God's word, your faith becomes more robust. Doubt and unbelief is a product of lack of literacy with the word. When you don't know the word, you struggle to believe him. When we struggle to believe God, when we doubt God, when we have unbelief, it's because our knowledge of the word is very low. It's kindergarten, it's infant. We don't know enough of God. We don't have word, no. We come to church, we don't take note. We don't go back and revise our note. And we're wondering, why am I struggling to believe God? And once you don't, the word of God is very low in your heart. Your faith activity will be very low. You will, you will complain more. You will give excuse more. You will be more situation regulated and opinion regulated than faith regulated. When the word of God is alive and well and full in your heart, your faith will be strong. Hallelujah. You will not be weak in faith. No, 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 no. Now hear this. Write this down. Our expectation commits God to us. I'm teaching you the power of expectation. Our expectation commits God to us and us to God through our stand in the word. Write this down. Every expectation in God is a demonstration of our stand in God and with God. Every expectation is a demonstration of our stand in God and with God. Because two cannot work together except they agree. So my expectations are what? Are a demonstration of my stand with God and in God. Alright? And as a result, our expectation commits God to us and us to him. There's a statement I want to say, and I hope you hear this because it will help you. Have you ever heard people that say God is in control? Have you heard that? Be very careful with that statement. What did I say? Very careful. Because that statement is a, is a naked statement. It's a naked one. You understand? What that? That's the best way to express it. Very naked. When you say God is in control, is a naked statement. It's not complete. Be very, very careful. Because if you just go say God is in control, you can go with that deception and think God is in control. It doesn't work like that. Turn the Bible to Romans 8 verse 28. Romans 8 verse 28. Be very careful. And I'll tell you why I said that. Because this subject on expectation, I was meditating on something and the Holy Spirit opened my understanding to something and it helped me. Romans 8.28, what does it say? What does it say? What did he say? And we what? And we 
Everybody read it. Once, go there. I want you to be there. If you're not there, go there. Romans 8, 28. Romans 8, verse 28. Are we there? Then if you're there, if I say 1, 2, everybody will begin to read. All right? One to go. Read it one more time. Very good. Okay. And we know that all things work together for good. Now, I can say all things is working together for my good. Do you understand that? It's like saying that God is in control. Be very careful. That's not a complete statement. That's a naked statement. It's like you yanked it off from what is there and you are now running with part of the statement that God will not commit to because it is not complete. When you say God is in control, it's like saying all this is working together for my good. That's not complete. You need to qualify it. What is the criteria or the condition for all things to work together for my good? Everybody finish the statement. To what? What is the connector there? To them. That means not to all. There's a difference. If it's a blank statement that all things work together to all, uh-uh. to them, in English, it's a, it's a preposition, or I think it's a conjunction, a preposition, one of them, that connects you to a condition that activates that reality in your life. What is the condition? To them, that love God to them who are decalled according to his purpose. Now, what does it mean to love God? What does it mean to love God? I showed you in our last service. Jesus said that. If you love me, what will you do? If you love me, you do what? You keep my instruction. So what is the proof that you love? I love you, Lord. I love... Hey! Jesus, I love you with all my heart. Liar. You say it, but you will not do the word. How do I know you love God? When you are tempted to be worried. What do you do? Do you complain? If you complain, that means you don't love Jesus. What do you do when you are tempted to be worried? What do you do? In all things, I give you thanks. Be careful or be worried for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let my request be. That's how you love God. That's how you prove to. Then you now activate God to be in control of whatever situation it is that is making you worried. Are you hearing me? It's only then and then God can make everything in that situation work together for what? For your good. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know why I'm warning you? Because we live in an age where some of us will just pick statements from uh, um, social media. We will make it our personal statement without having a scriptural understanding of the things we are picking. And, and, and the problem with some of them is that because we have no revelation or understanding from scripture, when it doesn't work, we get frustrated. How will it work when it's not based on understanding? God is why when you say God is in control, God is in control because in that situation you have chosen to trust Him. Do you understand that? Are you hearing what I'm saying? I have this family friend, and my wife knows her. I 
said she's in Cape Town. I said, what are you doing in Cape Town? He said, I went with my son. Son is barely 10 years old. And I remembered, if you remember, I told you a story of someone who was married for almost 10 years, no issue. And, and at the t almost at the 10th year, the husband went somewhere, I know, one lady that came to do IT, just, they had, only once, the girl became pregnant. And the girl became a turn in the flesh. Started saying that I'm the one that's supposed to marry you, not your wife. That your wife is not your wife. That's why she cannot give you a child. It's me. She only wants. She started, you know when somebody wants to, started using the pregnancy to mock the wife, like hey, guy was mocking Sarah. So she called me and said, Baro, I'm not, I'm not doing this marriage again. I said, so what do you want to do? She said, I'm leaving. I laughed. I said, you don't see yourself a mirror. I said, so you want to drop this 10 years, then go back and start again and look for somebody that will marry you. And you start again. I said, my friend, don't be stupid. I said, the devil is trying to destroy your marriage and you are just letting him have free fall. I said, open your mind and rebuke that spirit. Then she, it dawned on her, she began to pray. And some, God did a very powerful work. The family just woke up one day and said they were relocated to South Africa. And they carried both her, and they disappeared. And guess what? While that crisis was going on, she was pregnant. She didn't know. Call a long story short, she had a son. And the moment she gave birth, she called me on the phone. She was shouting. I said, after you rest, start again. Oh, because once the door opened, just crash through the door. Don't waste time. Then she had another one. She had a daughter. This son again that she had, I remember when the son was, she was six months pregnant, a cat would come in their estate where several buildings were, would come and stand in front of their house. I mean, doing meow, meow, between two and three every night. He won't go to any other place, oh. Just that house. When she told me, I laughed, laughed. She was like, why am I laughing? I said, because the devil is trying to make you afraid. I said, the devil is a fool. I said, don't take the bait. Don't be afraid. It's rubbish. He overcame that. This son now had an issue that had to do with his liver. Ten years old. They did an operation in Lagos that cost almost 10 million. Only for them to find out that the operation was not okay. And his bile and liver was affected and he started polluting his bloodstream. So his color was changing, his eyes was changing. And she said they had to, the doctor in Lagos referred them to a particular special hospital in Cape Town. And guess how much is the medical bill? $31,000. I know, do the exchange, it's almost 70 million. I shouted on the phone, I said, what? And, and God is so good because I just don't, I don't know how God made me know yesterday. So I began to pray. I took some of the prayer points that we're using in our 60 days and I started praying. I started speaking them. You know, God said we should list some areas and begin to declare signs, wonders, miracles, and breakthroughs. So I started doing that. Pray, I said, Father, this is what you said. I made it as one of my list. So I just woke up this, after resting, after studying, I'm trying to come to church, and I saw him. He said, ah, Paro, God is good. Though. I said, what? It's a very sensitive operation. He said, they just finished the operation and everything went well. I began to, I, called, I told mom, I said, guess what? I said, God has done it. But there was something I posted to her yesterday. That's why I'm making reference to this statement. I said, 
I said, all things will work together concerning your son because you believe. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If your expectation is not in place, sorry, there is no end. Because whatever is the content of your expectation, that is the end you are going to have. For surely there is an end. You cannot say God is in control. Meanwhile, your expectation is polluted by worries and cares. It is what you are going to have. That's why it looks as if some prayers are not being answered because there's a conflict in their heart. What they expect is fear and yet they claim they believe God. If what you expect is fear, that's what you're going to have. For surely there is an end. Your expectation will not be cut off because your expectation commits God to you and you to him through his word. Your expectation commits God. And I can show you from the scriptures. When men believe God, things change. I've told you this. The operation of the will of God in our life, it's not automatic. Until our expectation is schooled and programmed with the will of God, that's when the will of God will become our end. You don't embrace God's will by mistake. Sometimes we make some statement out of carelessness and out of desperation, but it's not a faith statement. It's a situational statement, an emotional statement that is not backed with understanding of Scripture. All things only work together for those who love God and to those who are called. What is called? Called simply means to be invited. According to his purpose. What is God's purpose? God's purpose is revealed, first of all, through the Word of God and through the Holy Spirit. The purpose of God is first of all revealed. So what is the purpose of God when I'm worried? In all things, give thanks. That's the purpose of God. And not only that, he says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. That is the purpose of God. If you have not embraced that, then you are not ready for his power to change the situations of your life. All things can only work together when I believe his word. What does it mean to love God? I do what his word says. And if I do it, I believe it. And if I believe it, I will say it. And if I say it, that means I believe it. And if I believe it, that means I will say it. For the spirit of faith believes what is written and speaks it. And I've told you, your action, your faith action begins with what you say. Is that not true? That's how it starts. The woman with the issue of blood began to say it before she did it. If all you say is your fear... If all you say is your doubt, then that's your expectation. That's what would determine the end. Are you getting what I'm saying tonight? Say with me, say my expectation commits God to me and me to God. Glory be to God. Rise up on your feet. We'll continue next service. So much I want to say, but I want to stop here. Hallelujah. Just lift up your hands and just begin to thank you. Oh, blessed be. Thank him for what you've heard tonight. Meditate upon each and every one of them. Thank you for joining us today. Your generosity helps us to take this message to the ends of the earth. You can give on our website at www.therefugehc.org. So go ahead and click on the link in the description. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this.